he was a weird dude, man. He was like a homeless guy. He probably smelt like mm-hmm. he like had all these. He had these teenagers following him around. He was in his thirties and he had teenagers mm-hmm. following him around, and he was spitting in people's eyes and like you know casting mm-hmm. demons into pigs. People, I mean, for all intents and purposes, people probably thought he was crazy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast. My name is Ethan. My name is Derry. And guys, we exist everywhere on the internet. We have extra content pretty much everywhere. TikToks, reels, shorts, any kind of content you'd want, we pretty much have it. So go check us out on all those platforms. Um, As we've been on there for a long time, you can find the backlog of all of our other content as well as all of our podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can watch it on Spotify or YouTube. And with that, let's get into the show. Yeah. Also, quick shout out to Magic Mind for uh, sponsoring this episode. Mm. Today, we have a really great artist um, on as a guest. His name is Teme Tape. I'm pretty sure I said that right. He'll, he'll correct me in a couple seconds once I bring him <laughs> on. Um, he's a Christian musician who makes music that he enjoys, that he thinks is um, good for reaching out to the lost. He's a great heart for reaching out for people who the church doesn't really do a good job of caring for in, in the in the history and in the history history of a, the American church which is why we started this yeah. podcast and he's as of this recording which is a couple weeks out from when you guys are listening to it or a couple weeks back he's released a new song called wanted man so mm. go check that out um, and he's also got a podcast mm. called the lumpy the couch lumpy that couch. we're excited to hear about as well and so with that we'll bring on Teme. You said that he makes music that he likes as if like no one else likes it. He said, (laughs) I I make music. And before the show, he said, I make music I like. I don't don't know. Because why would he make music that he would be like, I'm not. It's like when we make episodes that we would want to listen to. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, he makes music he likes. He likes likes it, you know. (laughs) To be fair, I like it. I like, uh, I really liked, um, Paradoxology. Yeah, me too. I was, I really like, I was listening to this. I was like. This is such a good take on the doxology. I was, mm. I like showed my wife immediately. I was like, "Listen, to these lyrics. This is so good." That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Also, Ethan, I think I called you Evan right before this, bro. I thought so too. I let it slide, and I was gonna see if if you would if you were gonna say it on the show. <laughs> I was like, if he pronounces my name wrong, it's fine because I wasn't even calling him by his actual name. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the I'm TH was pronounced with the V. Wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Is there anything you missed? Anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, a book you have no, coming out? New songs? For, thank you for such a, a great introduction. And even as we start this, I just, again, want to affirm that this podcast is needed. There's so mm-hmm. many people that just have questions about faith and God. And mm-hmm. not many people like to get into the deep waters of it. Mm. Because to be honest, there's a lot of things we don't know. I mean, I feel like as I yeah. kind of got through my journey of deconstruction, reconstruction, which my dad and I were just talking about this recently, and I was like, mm. he was like, bad dog in deconstruction. And I was like, you know, Dad, honestly, I think deconstruction is a essential piece of the sanctification process. Mm-hmm. Because the reality mm-hmm. is, is we all, for whether we like to admit it or not, have built a God of our own comfort. Mm. And everybody does God, that, right? is too beautifully complex to be monotonized to be Mm -hmm. packaged in this cute little box that feels comfortable for us and he is constantly deconstructing any false conception right you may have no other gods before me so Mm -hmm. the ten commandments he's deconstructing Mm -hmm. any idea or falsity that we have about him 
to reconstruct, right? That's what Jesus did. He's like, you can break down this temple, but I'm going to rebuild it. Anything God breaks down, he's going to rebuild. So he's deconstructing our false ideologies to rebuild mm -hmm. the right way of looking at him and others. Yeah, and that reconstruction piece is so, so necessary. Because we talked about that before when we covered deconstruction. As people deconstruct, but they forget the purpose of deconstruction is to rebuild something. You know, if you're mm -hmm. renovating a house, you deconstruct what's there so you can put in a new, a better, an updated, maybe a more efficient way of doing things. And so if you're going to deconstruct your faith, it's important that you also follow up with reconstruction. And what I love about the God we serve is that he's incredibly patient and kind and mm -hmm. willing to work with us in our reconstruction to help shape us into people who look more like him as we kind of do that. And I, I didn't realize I was going through a deconstruction phase. And when I was in like my early twenties, I was like realizing like, all I knew is like, I thought like, I'm going to throw everything I know about God out the window for a second. And I'm just going to see what I believe. Like no, no more of this, like what I've been taught type thing. What does the Bible have to say about it? And I, I don't think I went so far as the question, like, does God exist? But I definitely was like, I got to figure out what, like, what I believe the Bible says, not just what I've heard my whole life from people around me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, goodness gracious. I, knew, I mean, you got this is the, what things you don't hear in, in church mm -hmm. podcast, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about white Jesus. Mm. <laughs> you want, you know there we go. Talk about, Who are you talking about? I call him Dale. I call him Dale. 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 Wow. <laughs> yeah, dude. The brown hair. No offense, Derry. The brown hair. The blue eyes. <laughs> I'm like the skin, like the perfect skin. He's holding mm -hmm. sheep and children. I'm like, he looks kind of creepy. Like, that's not my guy. <laughs> yeah, the we were Bible talking. Says he was yeah. ugly. He was an ugly dude. <laughs> um, but I think that to be said, our picture in our minds of what we view Jesus as really does inform our theology. Mm -hmm. 100%. Really does. You know what I mean? And so if you got this Jesus in your mind that like looks and acts a certain type of way, like, it's going to affect the way that you not only relate to God, but relate to people. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about Jesus being like the way that the Bible describes him, I'm like, I, this isn't an indictment against anybody, but I'm like, he's not, he wouldn't, he probably wouldn't have been a social media influencer. He probably wouldn't have mm -hmm. been this like super good looking, super fit, whatever guy that everybody yeah. wanted to be like. I mean, he probably yeah. was, I mean, he was a weird dude, man. He was like a homeless guy. He probably smelt. Like mm -hmm. he like had all these, he had these teenagers following him around. He was in his thirties and he had teenagers mm -hmm. following him around and he was spitting in people's eyes and like, you know, casting mm -hmm. demons into pigs. People, I mean, for all intents and purposes, people probably thought he was crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Weird. And he wasn't clamoring um, for views yeah. either. Right. Like he was, everything no. he said was inflammatory <laughs> all the time and he'd retreat anytime there was a big crowd. He'd like, I'm going somewhere where it's hard to get to. So he has like. You really, I'm going to know you want to be with me if you're going to follow yeah. me here. Yeah, I, I love how right. Jesus's church growth strategy was he had thousands of people. And any preacher who has a church that has thousands of people would say, okay, let's keep this momentum going. Let's do multi-site. Yeah. Let's, do, let's do satellite churches. And Jesus sees thousands of people and says, if you want to follow me, you got to eat me. Yes. And they're like, what? And he's like, and drink my blood. They're like, what are you saying? He's like, eat me. <laughs> and they're like, now we're going on a hike. We're like, I'm leaving. And he's like, that's fine. And then like 70 people are left. He's like, where are you guys going? And they're like, we don't know what you just said, but we know that you're God. So we're hanging out. <laughs> right. I know. I'm like, it's the best thing. I've actually been thinking about writing this song idea in my head. Hmm. Uh, and if anybody puts it out now, I know they treat it, but I'm like, it's called cannibal. 
Hmm. And basically, just about that. Yeah. Where <laughs> like, was like, "Hey, man, you want to be? You want to like keep hanging out with me? Like, I mean, he went from a million Instagram followers to like twenty. Yeah. yeah. He like, canceled himself. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. He's just like yeah, basically, and he knew what he was doing. I mean, like he says it in the Bible. Like he spoke in parables so that like those who had ears to hear would mm-hmm. hear, and those who didn't wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that it's so important for us to just constantly be evaluating like, God, am I serving you? Am I serving Yahweh or am I serving like yourself? As I would say, like, are you serving Yahweh or are you serving yourself? <laughs> you serving like the God of the Bible yourself. who you cannot pin down, you cannot fit him into some comfortable box. Mm. Or you serve a God who, you know, he's going to tell Moses to knock on the rock. He's going to tell Moses to, Moses to speak up to the mm. rock. Like, he doesn't do the same thing twice. He can't be contained mm-hmm. in any predictable manner. And, 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 and he wasn't, like, popular. Like, I mean, that's part of the song that we just, I just put out. You know, that your listeners, if they want to listen to mm. it, you can. I mean, I like it. Like uh, Ethan said, <laughs> I don't know if you'll like it. I like it. Uh, They'll probably like it. likes it. They'll like it. They'll like it. <laughs> My wife likes it. My kids like it. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were like, the whole point of the song was we're like, man, like, he was, I, I, like, the man who came to save our world and offer us citizenship in heaven was a refugee and a runaway. Mm-hmm. And homeless, too. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. The refugee part always is like, so interesting, too. It's like, this was a man who lived in an occupied country. Like his mm. country was being occupied by an oppressive rich nation. Romans. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I know right after so like, yeah, he was born into this like oppressive regime. And then when was it, was it Herod found out he was going to be born mm-hmm. was like, well, let's, let's just basically do a genocide. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's kill all of the baby boys. And so, if anybody understands what messy looks like on this side of eternity, yeah. and if anyone understands yeah. what it looks like to like engage in really uncomfortable topics, it's it's our savior. So yeah. I think the church, again, affirming what y'all are doing, like we have to be willing to go into these areas. Mm-hmm. Light contained within light is of no benefit to anybody. Mm-hmm. What makes light palatable and like amazing is its is, is its ability to expose and eradicate darkness mm, so we good. have to be willing to go into areas that people don't want to go into mm. we have to be willing to go how would jesus respond to the refugee situation how would jesus right right now we have the war in israel how would jesus respond to the war in israel how would jesus respond to the lgbtqia plus mm. community how would Jesus respond to the black lives matter movement the list yeah. goes on and on and on and on yeah and we got to be willing to do it and again if our view of jesus is not right mm-hmm. then we won't do it mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so let's go church let's yeah go. And what, what i've always said about that too is like look guys the the people who are in your congregation or the youth or the young adults who is primarily who Darry and i work with as young adults it's like these guys are wanting to learn how to think about the world and they're going to learn from one place or another yeah and if it's not going to be the church right. they're going to learn from college or they're going to learn from social media whoever they're following or they're going to learn from their friends who seem to care and it's like mm. you, you have really compassionate friends in college who don't have a biblical worldview but they have a lot of compassion and so they're gonna be like well that looks good so let me learn from that and i just i'm like guys we we have to be talking about this stuff not i don't think it's the place necessary all the time for the pulpit to go into politics but the church has to be talking about 
these things in a in, in a way that's understandable at least being educated as communities at least yeah as communities maybe small groups having maybe appointed leaders that can that can that can come to consensus so come to some consensus about like okay what do we believe about this how can we get the gospel in here what can we mm. what can we teach our people about this but you know we got to equip our yeah. people and to be equipped as a person and culture you have to know what the culture is going through yeah. and always have a response you know paul says be ready in season and out of season mm-hmm. you know there you go. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's the point of the church in general is to equip the saints for the work work of ministry. Mm-hmm. But again, this is a this is an uncomfortable truth. I think that we have traded equipping the saints for entertaining the saints. Mm-hmm. We've Probably. traded equipping the saints for ministry, and in many ways, yeah, there's there's always exceptions. Mm-hmm. In many ways, I think we've traded equipping the saints for ministry to for entertaining the saints and calling that ministry and going mm-hmm. like, well, how many people were here and how many you know, books or records, or did we sell and how many salvations and how many this, how many Mm. that. And when I look at the Bible, you know, I think, look, think about Paul. I think it's Paul that talks about like, Hey, we plant, but God decides what grows. Mm. God decides what grows. Even goes, Hey, I plant, then Apollos waters. Mm. And then like God determines the growth. It's like, it's not all about like what we're building and, and the brand and whatever. It's about like, just helping people to understand that, in your neighborhood, in your community, God didn't put your pastor, God didn't put your youth pastor, God didn't put your missions pastor, God put you. Mm. And so the same spirit that was in Jesus, that's in your pastor, that's in your church leaders is also in you. Mm. And how are we as church leaders, whether we are at YWAM or at me as an artist, how are we equipping the saints with the right tools to go into their mission field that God's placed them to spread the gospel, to be the light? Matthew 5, Jesus said, hey, you are the light of the world church says he says you are the salt of the earth Mm. and so just trying to help the church get into those zones Mm, that's great as an artist yourself like as an entertainer and you're talking about like we've been entertaining the saints how do you let that affect yourself like as an artist in your creative process how you put things out does it change your goals what you try to do how you make art it's a great question i mean i i've thought about art this way during the renaissance the renaissance was a time like where there was so much art in fact, like affecting the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, we all look at Da Vinci and all these amazing artists going like, wow, look at like all the amazing things that happened in the Renaissance. Well, I think sometimes we forget to maybe note is that all of these, most of these artists, not all of them, most of them were Christians. Mm-hmm. So most of them were doing work in and from the church. So their art that they were creating, they weren't creating quote unquote Christian art. They were just creating really, really great mm-hmm. art. And when people were born like, oh my goodness, what is this? And how did you do this? Like, let me tell you what inspired this. Let me tell you about the God who gave me this gift. Mm-hmm. So just creating good art that people, whether they were in the church or outside of the church could connect to created gospel conversation, mm-hmm. created opportunities. At least that's what I believe. Obviously I wasn't there. I'm not that old. I got this beard, but <laughs> I'm not that old. And so, ugh. Sorry. Oh, uh, I I try as as best as I can to just create good art, you know. And that's why, like, people ask me, "What kind of music do you make?" I'm just like, like I said to you guys earlier, I'm like, I, lo- I make music that I like, and I talk about things that are important to me, and I try to make it to the best of my ability, like something that whether you're in or outside of the church, you can appreciate it and enjoy it 
not everyone's gonna like it. I mean, not everybody. We were talking earlier, Jerry. Mm. Like, not we like metal music. Yeah. Not everybody likes metal. My wife doesn't like metal. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like not everybody likes metal. But like, we can agree on like at least bands that we both are like these bands are really mm-hmm. good. So I'm trying to just create music that people who are interested in like the sound mm. and the topics I topic out talk about, whether they're in and outside of the church, they can vibe with mm. it. However, I feel so strongly that the agent of change, the agent of change in the world is the church. Hmm. And so I use a lot of church language in my music. Um, and my goal has always been, and it, it's sometimes funny because I, I, I work with Capitol Records, mm-hmm. my publishing's with them, and then I do like a piece of my artistry through mm-hmm. one of their subsidiaries called Rethink, and they're on a great team. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I tell them, I'm like, I'm less concerned with who's running to listen to my music and more interested in who's running to get to know their neighbor. Hmm. And so I just, I, the way I see my music is my music is a blackboard. Hmm. So I kind of see myself more like a teacher than a musician. And I'm like, how can, what I'm putting on my blackboard of music, how can that inspire um, change? How can that equip the church? And how can I do it in a way that is of high, high quality Hmm. Um, so that I'm not, so that I'm not entertaining them. At the end of the day, it's like this is moving you towards something. Yeah. When you listen to these yeah. songs, it's moving you towards something. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that because so many people will just make music just to be a bop, just to make a, a yeah a jam that everyone's gonna listen to. But there's not a lot of substance to it. That's one of the critiques right. about hip hop lately is that yeah, younger artists that. don't have substance. They just want to make a something that's like a gonna hit charts and they're gonna make some money and they're gonna leave. Yeah. But the music that really that we all remember that we all love is the ones that have content to it that makes mm. you feel something deep and connects with who you are and pushes you to like Christ, you know, the paradoxology really when I was thinking, listening to your song paradoxology really got me thinking like all these yeah, paradoxical attributes that God has that like seem like they contradict each other. Like you, how, how is he almighty and all powerful and no one moves him, but he's also humble. And it's like, you know, it's like right. God's humble. That's like one of the things that kind of I'm always like, God, how? It doesn't make me mad in like a, a serious sense, but I'm always like, God, you have no need to be humble. Like, no, everyone right. should be humble because you exist. Mm. We can't say anything. It's like, it's like when, uh, yeah, the people who are the best at something, like if you're playing basketball with LeBron and he's just like being super humble about it, you're like, dude, like, or I don't know, some people hate LeBron. I don't watch basketball. I'm not, I'm not trying <laughs> to catch any smoke, but. You're not in, you're not in the debate. I'm not in, I'm not in, in, in into sports. So I, I just know what the culture tells me, but you know, it's like when the best of the best is around you, it's you, you kind of expect them to act like the best of the best and God mm. is the best of the best and he's humble. And I'm like, wow, that's so good. Mm. You know, maybe that means we got to rethink of what we think best means. But before we continue, I just want to, I want to talk to to the audience real quick mm. and give a quick shout out to um, uh, one of the sponsors of this episode or a sponsor of the episode, Magic Mind. Um, you guys don't know about this stuff. You got to check it out. Um, this is go to magicmind.com. Check it out. They are a predict productivity. Always have trouble with that word. Drink yeah. um, with a bunch of natural plant based um, ingredients that help you focus. Mm-hmm. We we they reached out to us and, and asked if we would like try their drink and we did and it was fantastic. It tastes really good. It was so good. Yeah. Like usually health drinks like are really gross. It, when you open it, you look at it, it's green. You're like, I know this is yeah. gonna taste good. The green, you're like, uh, like this like, is. Dang it, it's, it's gonna suck. My wife had bought green th- or got green things like 
a week before we got this, just at the store, mm-hmm. she just grabbed them. And I tried them and they were like, taste like grass. I was like, that's not, yeah. I don't know. So I had this one and I was like, it's green also. I'm not sure. Dude, delicious. I was so shocked. And mm-hmm. and really what's really cool about it is they have a bunch of cool plant-based things that, like I said earlier, that yeah, I'm going to read off the ingredients list for you guys. Um, because there's so many ingredients and they're so good for like helping you focus yeah. and feel relaxed, mm. you know? And so here's a couple of the ingredients, right? They got matcha, re- re- really good. Uh, bacopa something. I don't know how to pronounce that. I tried practicing, couldn't mm. figure it out, but that's good. It's an optic that improves attention span and ability to process and learn new information. Ashwagandha helps calm you down. Mm-hmm. Rhodiola rosea. It's a herbal thing. That's really good. Lion's mane mushroom. That's pretty popular, I think, in the yeah. in the supplement um, world. homeopathic yeah, yeah. Um, supplement so world. Is Ashwagandha, though. And, and cordyceps. Now, for all you uh, Last of Us fans, don't worry about the cordyceps. This one yeah. is not going to turn you into a zombie. Hopefully. Um, hopefully. Didn't, didn't do it to me. I drank it, <laughs> and it was delicious. And here's the thing, right? When you have too much coffee yeah. and you're 27 years old, you start getting this thing called anxiety for no reason. Because you have too much coffee. You're just like sitting there, nothing's happening, and you just feel panicky because mm. you just have too much caffeine. Yeah. If you drink Magic Minds with your coffee, you don't yep. get the anxiety. Yep. Just it was energy. amazing. I was stoked. I was like, this is this is amazing. I, I'm so happy about this. Like, why would I why would I not yeah. want to take this all the time? And I really this is what happened. I, I had it and over the weekend I was really thinking to myself, I was like, oh man, like I was feeling like tired. I was feeling drained. And I thought to myself, I need to go get some magic mind right now. Mm. And I wanted to get it, but I ran out and I was like, dang Dang. it. I was like, I'm out, but I really want it. So guys, we want to let you know that you can go to this website here that I'm putting on the screen right now. That is, I'm putting on the screen right now. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) www.magicmind.com forward slash T-Y-D-H-C. That's our acronym. If you're new here, things we don't hear in church. So that's www.magicmind.com slash T-Y-D-H-C for up to 56% off. Not up to, 56% off. Basically free. Basically free. Yeah. 56% off off your subscription for the next 10 days. So 10 days starting now, Mm. use our code 56% off. You should do that because it's phenomenal. Mm. And our code is TYDHC20. 20. So TYDHC20. Things you don't hear in church acronym, 20. I don't know how many times you guys say that. After 10 days and the 56% uh, thing ends, it turns into 20%. So still worth it. Definitely Mm. go check them out. And with that... Um, let's get back to yeah. the show. So we were referencing deconstruction a little bit ago, and we'd love to hear some of your faith journey. Um, it seems like there's been a lot that's kind of happened there. You could start from recent history or from when you were born, whatever you want. But we'd love to hear about your faith journey to like where you're at now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to do my best to make it nice and, sh- nice and concise. Nice and concise. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I told you about, like, I'm the son of immigrants. So my mom is British. My dad's Nigerian. Um, they met when they both immigrated over and they were in grad school and got married, had three kids, moved to San Diego. I'm the middle and I'm their favorite. You know, it is what it is. Nice. Favorite ain't fair. You get it. You know, my siblings and I talk about it a lot. We're just like, they're like, you know, your mom and dad's favorite. And I was like, I do know. I do know. I'm very aware. I also make them mad the most. So it is what it is. Um, but that's what you yeah, can do I when you're the favorite. Up. 
yeah, I mean, there's a lot of grace for all the favor, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> covers, a, covers a multitude. Um, but I, yeah, my parents are like spiritual pillars. And I don't mean that like, you know, I mean that in every sense of the word, like they are grounded um, in in their relationship with God. And I've and my faith grew just observing them growing up. It still grows observing them now as an adult. They're not perfect people at all. Mm. Um, however, I'm really, really grateful that the Lord gave them to me and that I was able to see just a different expression of his heart. I mean, God, fast forward to Revelation 4 and Revelation 7, it talks about every tribe, every nation, and every tongue around the throne mm. of God. Right. Hmm. What I love about that, every, it's, it's, I think it's every tribe, every nation, it's every tribe, every nation, tongue and people. Hmm. What I love about that is what it points out is the diversity that exists within the realm of, of God and exists within the heart of God. Like God is too beautifully complex to be monotonized. And so the only way that we can actually experience more of who our God is, is actually not standing against each other because of our differences, but standing with each other because of our differences because psalm 139 says this we're all fearfully and wonderfully made so what that means is whether you're black or white or latin or asian or whatever however god has made you he made you like that on purpose because you carry a piece of his heart the imago day and i think part of the gospel message reaching people is right says second corinthians 5 god reconciled us back to himself through jesus and as we reconcile ourselves back to him Everybody bears the image of God, whether they are awakened to that fact or not. But as we are reconciled back, our unique expression of his heart gets folded back into his and folded back into this picture. So all that to say, I'm grateful that I got to see a piece of the nations just in my home because mm. my mom's British, my dad's Nigerian, and I grew up in the United States um, mm -hmm. in San Diego. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, allergy season in Tennessee. Mm. Anyway. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white community. My parents, you know, immigrant hustle is a real thing. So they did, my dad did really well specifically. Um, and we were really fortunate to grow up in a pretty affluent area at the time. And, uh, most of the people that I was around for various reasons, um, were white. And so I went to a predominantly white school until I was homeschooled, you know, when I was in fourth grade, then I went to an all black school, went, went. Hmm. But uh, I, I uh, all black because my family's black, but it's fine. Anyway, <laughs> I, uh, oh, because you were uh, homeschooled. <laughs> that was homeschooled. I thought you I like went it. from homeschool to was, in, back into the school system, and yeah, I was like, uh, I was trying to think like where would there be an all black school in San Diego? <laughs> I was like, I don't think that in that my exists. House, baby. <laughs> were you homeschooled from fourth grade on? Pardon? Were you homeschooled from fourth grade on through high school and everything? No, no, no. Okay, I was. My mom, so. you know, my, my mom, like, and I quote, was like, I don't want them to be weird. Nice. So fourth <laughs> to eighth grade for me. Shut up, mom. Charter school. But it was great. I mean, honestly, um, yeah, it was, there was, there was a lot of good, a lot mm. of good, and there was a lot of not so good. And so, you know, I, I grew up in most of my, I, I had no church leaders that mm. looked like me. The only black leaders I ever saw is I had one coach for hockey. I played hockey and I had a black coach in hockey for like three seasons. But that was like the only black coach. That was the only black leader I had. I wow. mean, I played other sports. I was in church. I was in youth group. And 
I was just not exposed to a lot of black people. And so that was something I didn't really notice how that would affect me until later. But as I was growing and like my family was like, you know, in a lot of ways, the token black family of our communities, hmm. kids were like kind of like figuring out like, you know, who, what was up with my family because we didn't fit what the media was portraying black families to be. So I got called lots of names. Like I got called Inside Out Oreo. I got called mm. names I, I shouldn't say on this show, you know? <laughs> and, and I think that people, I, I, I don't think that they meant ill. I just think they were trying to figure out like, why do you not fit whatever box I deemed mm. black people to fit in? But what that did in me is it created a lot of insecurity and I didn't really know who I was. I actually hated being black. I hated the fact that my parents were immigrant because I wanted to be wow. quote unquote normal. Because mm. normal to me was white because that was the most of my world. Mm. Anytime I actually, most of my interactions with people that looked like me was on service trips with my white church to black communities. Mm. So it was a really weird kind of experience. And so I spent most of my life just honestly not really like loving who I God made me to be and kind of rejecting it. And because of that, not knowing what God created me to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you fast forward to 2020, I had this really formative experience. I met my wife in high school. We got mm -hmm. married after six years, after we finished all of our schooling, started having kids. My wife is a white five foot, five foot one redhead, strawberry blonde. Wow. And so I remember talking with her before we started having kids and being like, Hey, like we got to figure out this whole like color thing. Cause I feel like I'm not in a great spot, space with it personally, and our kids are going to be mixed. So we got to figure out what we're going to say. Yeah. And uh, we were kind of like in the process of all that and figuring it out. And I was doing different jobs. And, you know, again, I didn't really know who I was. I was making music, but I didn't know what to say. I go to Atlanta, have the super formative experience where I'm on an all black flight. All the flight attendants were black. Hmm. I touched down in Atlanta. Either of you ever been to Atlanta before? Not yet. I've been there on a layover, I think. It's a minority majority. Hmm. So the amount of color and diversity amongst people is insane. And hmm. so I was out there and I'm like, yo, like there's other black people that don't look what I think about black people look like. And there's white people that look like I don't, you know, and there's Latin people. It was, hmm. it's just so diverse. And so I'm headed to this house. We're at a songwriting house and people flew from all over the world to be a part of this songwriting camp. Hmm. And, uh, before we, we start, some guy gets up and he goes, I want you all to look around the room. I want you to notice what the diversity in this room. He's like, heaven doesn't look like you or me. It looks like us. And for me, that was the moment when all the gears in my life, like that were spinning, like independently came together and started creating traction. Hmm. And I started to recognize, wow, like I've never really known what to say as an artist or even like just as a person because I've been running and, and trying to reject all of what we talked about earlier, all of what God fearfully and wonderfully created in me. And so that was where a lot of undoing had to be done. A lot of my views of, of what God was, whether I acknowledged it or not, like my view of God was being fed to me by predominantly white leaders who had no idea what it was like to be me in my skin. Mm -hmm. And so my view of God was just, it wasn't wrong. It was just their experience and their view. But my view had to be a little was a little different just because of who God's meant me to be. And so I, there was things I had to undo. I had to learn to accept who I was. I had to do some reconciliation with the, with some of my, some of the black community. Cause I had, I had in a lot of ways had a lot of prejudice built up in my heart against 
black people because of things I had experienced. And it was a, it was a long process, which basically, you know, you fast forward now, here I am today, I got way more kids and I am just so much more, um, I guess, secure in who God's created mm. me to be um, and not running from what he's created me to be. And because of that, I'm able to know what to say. And that's what I said earlier, that it, that God's heart is multicultural. And when we stand together with our differences versus against each other because of them, we get to see it on display and bring mm. heaven to earth. Mm. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Wow. I wanted to go back to one point that you talked about at the beginning about unity and diversity. And yeah. we talked about that a lot on this show um, in, in different aspects too, not necessarily like the race part of it. We've talked about unity and diversity of streams of Christianity and different in politics. Yeah. yeah. And politics and different uh, like denominations and, and stuff like that. Right. Um, but we can come at it from, from this back aspect. I think it'd be really interesting um, when people have different like, beliefs yeah like this is mostly what we've talked about we've got different beliefs like we have two different views on abortion or we have two different views on like who's right in the israel palestine thing right how do we have unity when we have such diversity of beliefs even you know what i mean like mm -hmm. can there be unity found in the church in this way because i feel like that's not only like within race like we struggle as a church in so many ways to be unified in our goal to reach all of the loss with the gospel of Christ because we're bickering about so many like different problems, some of them that need to be talked about and some of them that don't need to be focused on as much necessarily. You know what I mean? Totally. You have anything to oh, speak yeah. to that at all? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've told people all the time, we can't preach unity to a world when we are disunified, mm -hmm. right? Denominations to me, <laughs> I get that they're helpful, but for me, like I used to say, denominations are demonic in the sense mm -hmm. that like a divided house cannot stand. And I'm like, just because you experience God a different way doesn't mean like you have to all of a sudden like have your own room and shut the door and say, hey, this mm -hmm. is what you like. If you want to be a part of this room, you got to adhere to these things. I'm like, if mm -hmm. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and the only way to salvation. If we can all agree on that tenet and we have different ways of how God speaks to us, like, great. I mean, because even people within the same denomination, they don't experience God the same way. So mm -hmm. our denominational is denomination is demonic probably not it's just fun to, to say but yeah it's um, people's attention for sure yeah oh yeah i mean <laughs> in, in this current cultural climate that's the way to live your life it's just hmm. you know <laughs> clickbait uh so hmm. um i don't that's a really good a good question i i i don't know i mean take the israel palestine debate you know i i think that's interesting because i think about matthew 5 hmm. and i think in matthew 5 he says this Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called the children of God. Well, the thing about mm. being a peacemaker is you don't get to pick a side, mm. right? Mm. You're on yeah. the well, side of peace. Well, that's interesting because I would think that there is a sense in which if there's a right and a wrong, if there's a wrong being done and injustice being done, mm. a peacemaker would want to stop the wrong being done. You know, if someone's robbing someone, you know, a peacemaker might be like, hey, stop robbing him, which is interesting. Sure. Interesting thing, which I think it would, you would yeah. the situation, with. right? What's that? Depends on the situation. Depends on the situation. Yeah. It depends on the how, right? Cause it's like, yeah. yeah. I think that's the biggest piece to me. It's the how. How are you stopping it? Are like, how do you, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, you get the peace? You, right, yeah. How, do you, mm -hmm. how are you achieving peace? And then, so, it says that, right, Matthew 5? Blessed are the peacemakers for they for they the children of God. But then later on, it ends what about loving your enemies. So, even mm -hmm. to that point, mm -hmm. um, we've been about, like, someone being wrong. It's like, okay, 
you gotta love him. I mean, he says it in there. He's like, if you love like people who basically love you, he's like, right. I mean, that's what everybody does. He's like, right. if you can love your enemy, that's saying something. So, yeah, Derry, I don't really know. I mean, I feel like that's a process of that I'm like walking in myself, and that yeah. I like encourage people to like walk in. Like, I mean, you know, I I call myself politically homeless because hmm. I don't, I don't think any party first off i don't adhere to the idea that there's only two parties yeah there's more than two it's a good idea but i don't think any one of them like perfectly exemplifies the kingdom values that i think need to be exemplified in our right Mm -hmm. right and so i don't want to tie myself to anybody just because they're a republican or democrat or green party or whatever and so Mm. i feel like with that kind of thing i'm able to have i have friends (laughs) i have friends who drive around at trump rallies to this day Hmm. like very close friends of mine and then i have friends who are like are very involved in blm to this hmm. day and mm-hmm. i'm just able to just sit at a table with them yeah and maintain communion and uh i don't know if that perfectly answers your question but That's good. i think i think about jesus dying to his rights you know what i mean hmm. it talks about that in, in the bible how jesus died to his rights and i'm like literally like he had a right to live and he was you know, in a very real way, real way, he was right. He wasn't lying. He was the son of God. And what he was doing was right. Yet hmm. he died. He died for the world. He let the world put him to death, even hmm. though it was wrong. The world was wrong. We were wrong. And so I feel like in order to keep relationship and, and to maintain a doorway for gospel conversation with anybody, whether Christian or not Christian, like, am I willing to die to being right? Like, just because... I disagree with you doesn't mean I can't love you. Love and agreement are not like the same. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. that's that's a really big point that love and agreement are not the same because yeah, it's the whole thing about the the robbing situation earlier. It's like, look, the person A is robbing person B. We gotta say, hey, person A, stop robbing them. Person B, love them, forgive them, maybe even ask them what they need. Why are they robbing you? Are they robbing you because they're genuinely lacking something? And if person B is a Christian. Person B, maybe you should extend an olive branch of love and say, hey, man, you don't got to rob me. What do you need? Like, I'll go to the store and buy it for you right, right now. Right. Like, mm-hmm. how crazy would that be? And then then <laughs> you're like at the store with them. You're like, hey, dude, you want to come over for dinner? Like, let's have a meal. And then you start inviting them to Bible study. And then maybe they become a leader in the church. And all of it is because it's like, oh, how'd you guys meet? Oh, he robbed me once. And then I bought him food. And then we discipled him, became a Christian. And- how do you know Pastor Joe? Oh, he robbed me. Yeah, how well, crazy know, would that crazy be? Is this is actually reminding me of I was uh, a, a creative director at a church in Boise, Idaho. Wow! And the pastor there is a guy named Tucker Mail. Shout out to Tucker Mail, dude. He was he's one of the most like interesting people that I know. Like, and so kind. All this to say, he has two houses. He had two houses at the time, Airbnb back and forth. Somebody broke into one house. But that was the house he was staying at. Like that was his that was the house that his family lived at. So he's like his family gets home late one night. They're like, you know, coming home, putting kids down. Well, there's this random dude literally sleeping in his kid's room. Hmm. Broke into his house. Living like sleeping living at his house for who knows how long living in his kid's room. So it's like a squatter, well, like this guy thought the house was empty. Yes. What does Tucker do? He doesn't call the cops. He goes, Hey man, what's going on? Like, how are you? Literally builds a relationship. That guy showed up on the next Sunday. To the <laughs> That's church. awesome. And I think, I think I was, I think he still has somewhat of a relationship with him to this day. 
Wow. wow. That's amazing. But I'm like, if that doesn't smell like Jesus, I don't know what does. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. He right. had every right to go like, to, I mean, to flip out on him, to call the cops, to fill in the blank. He yeah. he had all of the rights, right? All the right, but he died to all of those rights. Mm-hmm. And I think in that, showed that man, a, like showed that man the love of God, showed mm-hmm. that man the love of God. While we were yet sinners, while we were squatting, spiritually squatting, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that'd be powerful. If I'm just thinking about being that guy, like, whoa, if somebody did that for me, I don't know. What yeah, because it's like you get, you got to imagine like that man just got caught doing something he knows is wrong, and only because he's in a situation which is not ideal for his life. Like he clearly doesn't have a, his own house; he's not doing it for fun. Mm-hmm. And so you got to imagine the type of shame this man feels upon being caught, and then being shown that grace yeah. to say, like, hey, like. How long? Maybe maybe it was like, how long do you need a bed? Like, whatever. Like, yeah. Hang out here. I'll go to the other house or something like that. Or, you know, like, that's just that's such a beautiful picture of the gospel. Yeah. We we have a friend who used to live on island, and he would invite like his homeless friends to stay at his house for a couple nights if they needed a place to stay, and and like it was like that type of same thing. Yeah. But it was cool. cool. Wow. It's challenging. I mean, again, even going back to the earlier part of our conversation, it challenges our comfort, hmm. right? It challenges hmm. whatever. God we've built. I mean, because you think about it, there is understandable, justifiable reasons to go like, well, God wouldn't want my kids to sleep on the ground. Hmm. Well, God wouldn't want someone to take advantage of my my home, right? Like, we can build that. But yeah. then it's like, you read the Bible and it's just like, Jesus is like, everything you have, I gave to you. Everything that's mine, like the Father's given. Like, the, Jesus didn't even have a home. And even mm-hmm. I'm saying that as I'm like, looking around my house, you know, my, my wife and I just had our our, our 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 pastor over and he was like wow like you know we live on five acres and we're like we well we've had visions like of doing like events here like worship nights and things and he's like well, let's do it and like i am not like i'm exercising the hospitality muscle because hmm. i travel a lot i'm on the road i'm playing different places and like my house is like my sanctuary yeah and i and i don't really like to be honest a lot of people in it but the lord's like dude this is my house like mm. I gave this to you to mm. be a blessing to people. And so it challenges my comfort and it challenges my view of, of, of God who says, no, like your house, your stuff, whatever, like protect it. He's like, God's actually like, no, deconstruct that. I'm saying, let it all go. Live open-handed, open your doors. Mm. Yeah. Same thing. A similar thing happened. My friend where he's going to ministry school and he was raising funds for it. And, um, the Lord had given, had supported me in raising funds for my own ministry school I was going to. And so I had this like GoFundMe and and I was like, yeah, I can give a little bit to him. Like God gave to me, so I'll give to him. So I sent my little, little amount and then the Lord said, pay for it all. Cause I had like enough in my like support thing to do it. And I was like, uh, God, this is my money you gave me for my ministry school. Hi, why would I give it to him? And God goes, say that again. It's, it's my money, right? And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and Got it was not like a condemning thing, like do it or not. It was just like very clear. God's like, hey, Ethan, no, no, your priorities are wrong. It's my money. Right. And I was like, all right, you're right. It is. Crazy. And I didn't ha- I didn't lack finances for my ministry school. So yeah. Yeah, there, there we go. go. Yeah. Trust the Lord and with your things, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's almost I, like I the like Bible's right. I mean, it's just loving kindness, right? He's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad. I have. Uh, I, we have an army of toddlers in our house. We got 
four kids under five, like the oldest is five. So five, four, two, two months or four months. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot. And as I'm parenting, my default response is like, honestly, it's just like, it's, it's like anger, it's frustration. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, again, understandable emotions when you're telling, you know, them for the eighth time, don't sit on the baby's uh-huh. face, you know? in like an hour, you know, just stuff like that. And um, the Lord, I always feel like when I act in my humanity, I always hear the Lord, and he never yells, it's always a whisper, but he goes, do I, do I deal with you like this? Wow. When I'm dealing with that same sin over and over and over again, do I just hmm. like, do I respond in a way that is aggressive or am I kind? Am I gentle? And my wife, like we were talking about recently, like she is that like the way that she responds to our mm-hmm. kids is very inspiring to me um because she has much more of that grace and patience um as i figure myself out but yeah like god with you ethan he's like i'm not gonna yell at you i'm just gonna tell you like i gave i gave you enough for you and enough mm-hmm. for enough for your buddy mm-hmm. yeah god's mm-hmm. like hey it's mine. That's the thing, right? He can, if he gave it, he can be like, hey, go send it here. I read this really good book about that same topic called The Treasure Principle. And it sounds very prosperity gospel-y, but it sounds like you read it. He read it? I know of it. Okay, yeah. It's all about like, it's not prosperity. Because when I tell people that, they're like, treasure and Christianity sounds weird. I'm like, yeah, I know. But it's all about how we are God's money managers. And so like, God owns all the money. He gives us a portion. We manage it. If we manage it well, he might entrust us for more, you know, like the whole parable mm-hmm. of the talents. But all of it's like, look, everything you own, like you're saying, is God's. And so if he wants you to part with something, it's because it's his and he has the right to do that. And he, you have to trust his character that he's good enough to bring something else mm-hmm. that will be just as good, if not better for you in that season. Yeah, I love good. that. And... I mean, prosperity gospel is funny. I tell people that I believe in the prosperity gospel all the time. That Jesus came that we might have life and life abundant. So pros- he does want us to prosper. It just might not mean monetary, mean, monetary mm. means. Of course. But it is, it is prosperity. It is prosperity. Yeah. The devil always takes the good and twists it. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I like, to, I like to reclaim words. I'm like, dude, we all mm. believe in the prosperity gospel. We all believe in life abundant and life to the fullest. Prosperity. Yeah, yeah define it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's really yeah. good. As we're about to hit an hour, um, we'd love to go into more of like the music side of things and like ask, how did you get into the industry? What was that like growing up? Did you always know you wanted to make music? Did you always make music? How did that evolve? We'd love to talk about that. Yeah, um, I've been playing piano. My mom put my my siblings and I in piano when we all were very young. Uh, she was just like, it's good for you. It's good for your brain. So we all did piano. And when I hit junior high, I wanted to get girls. So I picked up the saxophone because I watched this like, dude, it was like, again, I grew up in a very sheltered home. So they would have these like Christian uh, like movies, like NIV Kids Club, like McGee and Me, you know, Salty, Mm. like all this kind of stuff. But there was a show I watched, a Christian show I watched where the cool kid plays saxophone. And so I was like, well, obviously, like, that must get the girls. And so I learned, like, that's just in Christian movies. Obviously. And in real life, it's guitar players. So yep. Like, I'm picking out a I fedora now, too. I know, seriously. I was walking around, like, in a full suit. So I was like, that's what he did. Like, it was like. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> if, 
if he did it in the movie, it must work in real life. That's awesome. So, <laughs> did I it work? Yeah, it was it was a, it was quite the time. I mean, dude, I was a goodness. I'm glad my wife didn't know me in high school because I was mm. or in junior high. Junior, we met in high right. school. But dude, I know she loves me because she loved me through some weird fashion choices, like the mm. hot topic, like maroon yep. pants. Yeah. Monkeys at my homework shirt. Like, God bless her. Nice. Like, so anyway. Do you still I play sax? Because I feel like that'd be super cool in, in, in music. So whenever I hear horns in, in music, I'm like, wow, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I did. I didn't. I did, I never learned it. I never did. Oh, okay. oh wow. Okay. So I got one. I got one, and I also got a flute, which obviously also another really sexy instrument for the females, mm-hmm. a flute player. Mm-hmm. So uh, I uh, I never learned them. I got a guitar. I learned guitar in junior high. Started writing songs, and honestly, been writing songs ever since. Played in wow. metal band for six years. Played in an alt rock band. Did an acoustic thing um a cool part of my story is when we were um i was always kind of like the backup singer Hmm. and two things that happened to me one my buddy who i will like to this day my buddy ryan schuler um was the one that really taught me a lot of guitar and taught me how to sing and play at the same time Hmm. and he was leading for our youth group and when he was a year a grade older than me so when he graduated he'd have me like sing and play with him like backup but when he graduated my youth leader was just like well i guess it's you now so that was like the first kind of time I was in front. And then in the metal band, I was the clean. So Derry, you know, like in some of those mm-hmm. screamo, it's like the, the screamer and the cleans. Yeah. But the cleans, you're not, you're not singing a ton. You're just singing like right. choruses. Right. But one day, a Sony rep was driving by our, our youth group because this was the time when we were practicing youth group. Like shows were at youth group. We were practicing youth group. He drove by. He heard me singing over the heavy music because our screamer was in the bathroom. Huh. And he like... He picked, he endorsed the band, thinking we were like this like hard rock band. Whoa! <laughs> so he went to our show, and he was like, "Oh, I didn't realize you were a screamo band." He's like, "Okay." He's like, <laughs> "Still happy to support you guys," but he pulled me aside and said, "Hey, you should do something." And so for me, that kind of started the journey of different genres of fronting different bands. And then I was a worship pastor for six years, and then. Hmm. Yeah, I've just been writing and doing stuff, and God slowly but surely moved me from pastoring to artistry. And yeah, I moved out to Nashville, twenty twenty one, and signed with Capital end of twenty twenty two, and hmm. just been at it. Wow, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, when we saw when we got the email from your manager, I was looking up in uh, Capital because I've heard them a lot in, in different ways, and I was so surprised to see like all these like amazing artists that were signed there. I was like, "Holy cow! Like this is awesome! Like, congratulations, man! That's a, that's awesome." Yeah. Thanks. Gable's on it. Our friend yeah. Gable. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's awesome too. Yeah. Uh huh. Awesome. Gable's on. So Gable's on like the CMG. So Capital has all these subsidiaries. So mm-hmm. I'm signed to publishing, and then the subsidiary is called Rethink. Okay. Um, but Gable's like. Where like Tomlin, Hillsong, Hastings, oh, okay, like, okay. like the the main one, if you will. Mm, mm. Okay, interesting, cool. Good Do old you game. have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite song that you ever made, and why? Oh yeah, dude, my most recent song, "One in Man," favorite. Hey, really? Bro. There you go. That's my most favorite song that I've released. Hmm. Ah, so we got some goodies He's coming up. back. Oh yeah, I mean we got a whole stack of songs that I'm. Do you have a plan go. for an album Very coming out? Pardon? Uh, um, can't say. It's can't a say. weird time. It's a weird time to release music. I mean, I think hmm. the stats are, dude. 
I mean, I think it's something like, I want to say like 700,000 songs a week on Spotify alone. Something like that. A it's release? Like Holy cow. Shoots. Yeah. And definitely you guys fact check me. Listeners fact check me. I know it's a lot of songs are, 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 that are being released. So it's kind of hard to figure out like when you're a newer artist like myself, like hmm. what's the strategy? Like last year I released a song a month, like Paradoxology. And yeah. Okay. All yeah. The songs, one a month. This year I released two songs. Next year, I don't really know. So I like my newer stuff, though, like One and Man and On, because like I was saying, and part of my journey, I was trying to figure out who I was. So I didn't know what I was supposed to say or how I was supposed to sound. And so you hear that in my discography. If you go back mm. to like 2017 releases, you can hear like I'm trying to figure out like what I'm supposed to do. There were some good songs, but I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. And then I started to slowly with that stuff last year, Paradoxology and Anywhere Everywhere, kind of go like, okay, I want to do what I like, hmm. but one in band to me is like, this is, this is a conglomeration of all the musical influences and the things that I like and a sound that I like with lyrics hmm. I like. Cool. Mm, cool. That's awesome. There we go. Yeah, it's so cool. I love when I can do that with artists where if I discover them relatively new, like I don't know if you know Social Club Misfits, I, I listened to them. Social Club Misfits? Yeah, you know them? I listened to them way back in like 2012. Like when I for, came back to being a Christian, my friend was like, hey, listen to these guys. I think you'd like them. And I started listening to them. And that was kind of where my passion first started for reaching out to people who the church had a hard time reaching out to because I feel like their music was geared toward that as well. They talked about church hurt and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, I was like, this is so cool. And I like followed them all the way up. I don't listen to like, I don't keep up with them as much as I used to now or back then. I don't do it now. But like seeing their whole evolution of their music over years has been like super cool. So I love that that like it's super cool that you are like, yeah, like I'm in the middle of this journey. You can tell in my music that like I'm I'm going through my journey because that that gives your fans even something to walk through with you and feel like connected to you where they're like, in 10 years who knows man and you'll they'll, they'll be like wow like remember like 2017 all this stuff and now like look how far you've come and as you refine mm. your theology and and you just you have your father now so what it looks like to like how that affects everything like we know Corey asbury just released an album and mm. that's like not a worshipy album as he he usually does and so we're on that journey with him I, I think it's super fun to be on journeys with artists like yourself and and those guys as well yeah it's kind of like a auditory journal like an auditory journal if you will yeah mm -hmm. like that's kind of how i feel and i don't want to delete any of it because whatever god was doing in my life back then might be helpful to somebody now so yeah I just, yeah like, and it's special yeah i keep it all there yeah mm -hmm. i think people used to be mad about that like this is not the kind of music this person used to make like they sold out or something but i think people really rock people's journeys now you know what i mean like people like to see people switch it up and do something fresh and something new as long as it's like still them you know what i mean they want to hear it they want to hear what that expression is mm -hmm. and people can tell when it's new and it's authentic and when it's new and it's like you're selling out you know what i mean like there's a difference right yeah like corey stuff i mean you mentioned corey corey's latest mm -hmm. record is so good yeah so good mm -hmm. so good and it's just like yeah we've been on the arc like we've been on mm -hmm. like the, from reckless i mean even before reckless love he was doing other stuff but like mm -hmm. You know, from Reckless Love to that Dear God record, I forget what it was called, and then this most mm. recent one, Pioneer. It's just like, cool. Mm. We've been on a journey with you, man. And yeah. he doesn't have to, like, I mean, look at Taylor Swift. She reinvents herself every album. Yeah, yeah. right. That's because he's got and a new he, boyfriend. 
Travis Kelsey, hope it works out. Hope it works out. <laughs> <laughs> Wish she needs inspiration. She just dates another guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad. I want her to find happiness and wholeness. And hopefully yeah. she yeah. does. Yeah. I want yeah. her to find Jesus. <laughs> yeah. That too. <laughs> yeah. So who do you listen to? Like, who are you inspired by right now musically? Ooh, that's a good question. Who's the, yeah, the top five? If you ever want to see your Spotify wrapped right now, who you're listening to most of the time? Ooh. Wow. Oh, goodness. Uh, um, there's this metal band from Orange County called Dayseeker. Oh, dude, Dayseeker's great. Yeah. I've been listening to through like some of their stuff. Like most recently, a lot of Dayseeker. Wow. I love Dayseeker. Interesting. Um, I also really like Thrice. Thrice, I like this. Yeah, I like this guy named... Um, Oh goodness! The Mockingbird and the Crow is the record. Hardy. Hmm. He's like really heavy country, dude. It's awesome. Mm, interesting. I love oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love him. He's great. Yeah, I like Hardy. I like KB. Yeah. Mm-hmm. KB. KB throws down. Solid. Uh, Do you listen to his podcast too? Yeah. Um, you're talking about Southside Rabbi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I like that. I like Lizzie McAlpine. Hmm. Um. I like, yeah. I'm trying to think of there was a there was a worship record recently that I really liked. The, the Jesus Culture one recently is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I should be honest, I don't listen to that much like like congregational church music that yeah. much. I don't. Yeah. I listen to more like yeah, like our, Le, dude. Yeah, have y'all heard Leland's record, City of God? I know Leland, but I haven't heard the record. Their newest one. Oh, please listen to it. Their newest album, Leland. It's called the City of God. No, I haven't heard it. I own the only Leland album I know is the one from back in the day with like Sound of Melodies. The Sound of Melodies. Like, that's the one. It's a great record. That's a great record. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Dude, the 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 um, City of God. When you talk about just like creating good art, dude, that record. Ooh, it's so good. All right, so, I'll check it out. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But there you go. All of the Tower of Babel on there. Variety of stuff. I think they got the Tower of Babel as their their album art, City of God. That's crazy. Interesting. Dude, the, I don't know anything like, about them. He talks about like on Instagram, like why that painting. I think that painting is from the Renaissance. Like it's mm. dude, oh, okay, super crazy. It's a great cool. record. Cool. Hmm. Dayseeker is touring with my favorite band right now, uh, Silent Planet. I think that's who they're touring with, at least. Oh, I love Silent Planet, bro. Yeah, I have a big Silent mm. Planet tattoo on the back of my leg. Um, but yeah. they're touring and I'm not in LA. I'm going to be in LA teaching, uh, like a day before they play and I'm leaving the day before I can't go see them and I haven't seen you them in like go. six years. Dude, exp- extend, yeah. expand your trip. No. Just change your flight. Who cares? Can't. Why not? Too expensive. I'm not going to spend like $400 to just to see I thought they were your favorite. That's all I'm saying. I, thought, I just thought they were your favorite. Yeah, exactly. Dairy. Exactly. I just thought they were your favorite. I'm <laughs> sorry. I've already seen them like five or six what? times, so. The thing about metal is it never gets smaller or bigger. Mm-hmm. So it's like affordable kind of like always. Oh, but like, it's like the yeah, only yeah. affordable shows. Like, yeah. Do yeah. you know the band Spirit Breaker? I smaller. know Spirit Box. Okay. Spirit Box is great. Yeah. I don't know. Spirit them. Box is sick. Spirit Breaker was touring with a pretty big, I forgot, pretty big name. They just got signed a couple years ago. They were touring well. with Silent Planet as well. They and were Fit touring. King. Yeah. yeah. They, um, Fit for King? They were touring with Fit for a King, yeah. But the drummer is one of my friends, and he was the videographer for my wedding. 
And so you should, you should check them out. They're, they're a good band. They have, I think they only have one album. Okay. Still, I think. Yeah. But they have some good songs, for sure. Spirit Breaker? Yeah. Okay. You know, Spirit Box hits, though. Spirit yeah, Box. Spirit Box is great. Yeah. Her vocals are awesome. I also really like Kill Switch Engage. Oh, wow. A classic. Yeah. I try to find... So if you think about most of those bands I listed, mm. I mean, they're like, not, like, they're all just a bunch of white dudes. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, like, try as much as possible, minus KB. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, I try like as much as I can to diversify like the who I'm listening to hmm. because I mean even for me like I've been so encouraged the amount of people that have like you know listened to my records I mean I have people I have a song on that record um, Maroon that Paradoxology is hmm. on a song it's just like me speaking it's called uh, I think it's called Deconstruction to Worship hmm. literally and so many people have just message me and been like hey like this like you talking about your journey of deconstruction i was inspired by um oh what's his name kendrick lamar's record hmm, okay kendrick lamar dropped the rep record last year i think and it's yeah. so good and he had so much like dialogue and so all that to say yeah people have been really i've engaged with a lot of people over like the content of my lyrics but i've hmm. also engaged with a lot of people just on the fact that there's not a lot of black people in christian music yeah, and doing what I'm doing, and so I'm excited at the idea of help. I'm excited to be a part of like what God is doing to like show more kingdom um, in our music, hmm. and I'm hopeful that me being in the space and creating music that maybe people wouldn't think I would make um, might open the doors for other people of different colors um, and like women to like be able to create and contribute and be taken yeah. seriously so that when my kids grow up listening to music, they're like, Oh, I mean, I've heard so many different perspectives and takes on things versus mm -hmm. like for me, like, honestly, I did it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Do you ever listen to any gospel music when you're, you're choosing your worship playlist? I really like, um, Oh, have you guys ever heard of one house? No, I haven't one house. No, they're out in LA. They're kind of like a fusion gospel vibe. Okay. Um, I like them. I like Kirk. I mean, classic Kirk. Kirk like, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. um, Melvin Criswell the third. There's this girl that I just heard of recently. I just did a, a event with her. Her name is. I don't even want to say her name, but it's spelled H L E. Hmm. Okay. She's super dope. And then Anna Golden. You ever heard of Anna Golden? Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. Anna Golden. I'm just awesome. realizing how many gospel Golden. artists I don't know. Dude. I'm just, I, I thought I knew awesome. gospel Dude. artists, and now I'm like, wow, I just seem like I'm missing out. Dude. <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, and Anna Golden's cool because she's a white female doing gospel music. Whoa. Wow. So, again, it's just like, just because you're white doesn't mean you can't, like, there's no such thing as, like, genre by color. I mean, the industry's right. done that, but we can change that. So, I love what Anna Golden's doing and what she's representing and bringing to gospel mm -hmm. music too. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. There you go. I love gospel music so much. I think that like, cause I, we're, I, I have for most of my teenage into adult life have been around like white Christianity, you could say where it's like, like, I think maybe you also call it like congregational worship where it's like very like, I don't know. It's just the normal worship you hear it at almost every church on a Sunday, you mm. know? And I think that it's really good. I love a lot of it. A lot of it sings of the holiness of God. It's great. Mm. But I love when I, like I listen to gospel music when I'm running sometimes, 
what the few times I run in my life. Um, <laughs> but like, or if I'm on the stair stepper or like something like that, I'll just, I love listening to gospel because it, it taps into the joy of, of the Lord and joyful worship, which I'm like, man, like the Bible says, enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Like when I listen to gospel music, I just tap into just like this great celebratory, like joyful worship that I'm like, man, I feel like this should be like one song like this every Sunday at least or something like that because you get you don't want to spend so much time in the almost sorrowful sounding or or, or great exclamation because it teaches you a lot of reverence which is good and a lot of repentance which is good but the, also the Bible says that in his in his presence is joy and pleasures forevermore so let's also tap into like the deep party joy gospel mm. that's just like is so good. Like singing, I am a friend of God and, and, and singing out, I'm a friend of God. And then hearing it back to yourself, they're like, Oh yeah, God is my friend. Like it's got to teach you and inform your theology a little bit about your relationship and identity with who God is. Yeah, that's great, bro. You need it all. Yeah. I think we have a lot of contemplative. We don't have a lot of lament, which is interesting because the Psalms have a ton of lament. Yeah. There's mm. a guy named Sam McCabe and Andy Squires. Like those two dudes are mm. so such a gift to the church because they're providing some good lament. Um, and yeah, we need more joy. We need more joy bombs. I'm trying to exercise my, my joy muscle because it's very easy to wake up and be like, man, but instead I'm like, you know, I want to wake up and I want to be thankful because Mm -hmm. I got breath in my lungs. I got strength in my legs. I can see, I can do all the things. And so we need it all. And we need, we need a lot of people to do it all. Like we're every life was made to be made to be done together. God exists mm-hmm. within community. We're supposed to exist within community. And so I like what you're saying. Like, let's get all the flavors of it. Let's get everything. Absolutely. You know? And what's cool about the black people specifically in gospel music, I'll say this really quick, is I think it's really powerful that black people who in the United States, for the most part, have lived more like in like a sort in, in a type of oppression more than freedom that the expression is still joy. Yeah. You think about some of these black spirituals that like were sung oh, during yeah. slave times, they're yeah. so filled with joy. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. So there's a lot, you know, again, things that the church doesn't talk about. I'm like, there's a lot we can learn. I'm not just saying that because I'm a black person. I'm just like, right. I mean, even for me, like, ooh, my, uh, I'm still there? Good? Yeah, yeah. Good. My heritage, you know, I didn't, I, my, my ties are back to Nigeria and England, um, but I've learned so much as I've appreciated the black American journey in this country, um, wow. how people have paved the way for me, the Lovings, who were the first interracial, like were the interracial couple, not the first, but the interracial couple that kind of changed things because mm. miscegenation was a real thing. Black and white people weren't allowed to get married in this country for a long time. Mm-hmm. So me and my wife, our marriage is a celebration of what like, so many black and white couples have done before us and then the lovings helping to governmentally change overturn things but that's from me looking and celebrating what was done in the black in the black community and there's things that we can learn as a church from the black church and the latin church and the asian church and etc yeah i'm interested in your thoughts on this we have a friend on island and i'm only saying this to preface what he's saying because he says it with his experiential authority. It's a black man saying this because that matters for what it's about to say. But he believes that God has gifted different people groups and maybe even different races with certain giftings. And and he said that God gifted Africa with celebration. And that might be why you see a lot of like 
the gospel being incredibly joyful or like, yeah, you're talking about through slavery, they're worshiping incredibly joyful is maybe the continent of Africa was gifted with celebration as like something that runs through them. Interesting. That would be such an interesting like study. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like what has God given each people group? I mean, I wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me because again, I think it speaks to the togetherness that like we're Mm -hmm. called to where Mm -hmm. when we come together, we can get more of the emotive expressions, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I've never heard that, but I'm, I, I'd be super interested to go, okay, then what are the other expressions? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to look at that. Yeah. Like what are, what about Asia or what about mm-hmm. Australia or South America or Europe, Europe and Native Americans and all that stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, cool. man, thanks for coming on the show. This has been a, a, a phenomenal conversation. Guys, go check out all his music. It's great. It's yeah. uplifting. It's theological. Tematape. Um, yeah. Why don't you plug all your um, sources where people can find you, your links, and we'll have them in the bio as well, but just so people listening can can check you out right now. Yep. I mean, everything is at I am Timitape. So I-A-M-T-E-M-I-T-O-P-E. I am Timitape.com, Instagram, at I am Timitape, uh, threads, bleh. Not on Twitter. I'm barely on TikTok. It's like I'm doing top of underscore and then YouTube. So mm-hmm. that's where all the things are. Cool. There right on. Well, thanks so much for coming on, bro. It's been a great time. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yes, sir. Shoots. All right. Shoots. See you guys next week.